And now for a very special episode of Fried Squirms. What up, Danny? Hey, how's it going, Tyler? Oh, I'm doing pretty good. This is a special one in multiple ways, including the old school, somebody's going to get touched way. (laughs) You're right about that. This week, one of the most notorious extreme horror films ever made, a Serbian film. We watched it. We're going to talk about it. Before we do, we're going to get stoned. Yeah, I'm excited. Let's hit our green hits. What do you got going today? You told me and it smells delicious and I already forgot. Oh, no worries. So today I actually brought over two different strains. And the first one actually in my vape right now is Lilac Diesels, a strain I brought over last week when I had visited Spark One here in town. So this particular strain, it's a 50-50 hybrid. The parents, it's a mix of silver lemon haze and forbidden fruit with New York cherry pie and citral glue. And this one is because of the the lilac name. It has linalool, which is a very calming terpene. It has a little bit of the citrusy notes, has a little bit of that taste too. Nice little finish. THC ranges somewhere in the 20s. I think this one came in around 24. And the other strain that I brought over, it's a strain called Durban Julep. So one I picked up here from Tricomb Valley. Man, I really, really do like that dispensary. So if you're here in town in Missoula, check it out. But anyhow, Durban Julep, it's a sativa dominant, a hybrid it is a cross of Triangle Durban and Jet Fuel Gelato. It's THC on this one clocks in at like 28%. Okay. So pretty high because it normally clocks in somewhere in the 20s. But they're known because of their terpene profiles. And uh, yeah, I really like this one. I rolled up a J over the weekend of that. Nice. Nice. Yeah, nice buzz. I've got to say, this is another week where those both sound really fancy compared to what I got going. I just have some purple glue this week from down at Top Shelf. They're like the closest place to me, so I hit that hey, place I up can't a lot. Blame you. But I'm telling you what, I think this week I'm going to try to make it down to Greener Pastures again this week because it's been like a good month and a half, two months since I've been down there. So, But purple glue, cross of Las Vegas purple kush with original glue. So I should end up a little bit chair locked here but it's okay it's not going to completely put me down it's still that hybrid level i'm just going to be nice and relaxed for when we talk about nbp oh yeah (laughs) (laughs) so let's get into that and start hitting this i know i i hit a little bit earlier already and i know you're hitting that already but we'll get our green hits in and start in on the guts and bolts of shripsky film guts and bolts all right, Guts and Bolts, Serbian film. Who and what went into the making of this movie? I have to start off with a spoiler-free setup of this movie. Hey, that's what we do. Spoiler-free setup. Let's see. Milos? Milos, yeah. Milos is a semi-retired porn actor who gets a chance to do one last gig and make a ton of money. And actually retire. Except he doesn't get to know what the gig is. Guess what? It's one of the most extreme horror movies ever made. That's what it is. There's your spoiler-free setup. Yes, sir. You're in for a ride. You're already starting off with he's a porn star, so. Yeah, that already has its own baggage included, you know? Mm Mm-hmm. So, yeah, dude, I like it. Nice brief setup. All right, now week to week, we do like to talk about the people who go into making the film and, of course, the actors and actresses in front of the cameras. And this week, our director, 
and one half of the writing team is a gentleman named Serjan Spezoyevich. And uh, some other bodies of work that he's known for are the ABCs of Death, where he directed the segment R is for Removed, and another mm -hmm. film entitled Wear Out. And the other writer on this project is a gentleman named Alexander Radivojevic, and he's known for uh, writing the scripts for Tears for Sale, the film Wear Out, and another film entitled Luminous. Now, keep in mind, all these people are Serbian. These are the English titles, <laughs> mainly for a lot of these projects. All right. The cinematographer is Nemanja Jovanov. He's known for the life and death of a porno gang and also for being the cinematographer on one of the segments for the ABCs of Death. It didn't specify which one, mm. but he's also on the editorial department for the ABCs of Death. And oh. I'm wondering if maybe it's for the segment Zymosis, perhaps, because that's what he did for the editorial. He was a colorist oh, okay. on that. So perhaps, I don't know. I didn't specify. All right, the editor is Darko Simic, and this is really the only project he's known for. The music was composed by Wiklu Sky, and they're actually a Serbian musician, rapper, and producer. This is actually a stage name of a gentleman named uh, Dorje Milodjanovic. <laughs> so there you go. But, dude, I was telling you when I brought that Blu-ray over, because I do own this film, mm -hmm. it's like, man, that menu is going to slap. Yeah, it does. <laughs> it does. Dude, yeah, they did a really good job of picking oh, yeah. these guys out. So, all right. The special effects was done by Luca Brigia FX. They're responsible for the makeup effects on this. Okay. This was produced by Serjan Spezujevic, Dragoljub Voinov, and Nikola Pentelic. And the production company was Contrafilm. The distributor was Jenga Films. They helped with all media for the 2010 worldwide release of this film. Believe it or not, its release date and premiere was March 15th, 2010 at the South by Southwest Film Festival down in Austin, Texas, and in Serbia on June 11th, 2010. And I do have a tagline for this film, and that is, not all films have a happy ending. Nah. <laughs> all right, so moving on to the cast. Like I said, a lot of these people are Serbian. I'm sure a lot of our audience has never heard of them before. <laughs> So I'll keep it brief and to the point. But the gentleman who plays Milos is Serjan Tedorovic. And a couple of films he's actually known for are Underground, Black Cat, White Cat, in the film The Fucking Dog. He's actually a really well-known actor in Serbia. Like, honestly, almost every single person in this film are big-time actors in Serbia, like mainstream stuff. So okay. it's, yeah, it's pretty interesting. All right, the next gentleman I have is Sergej Trevenovic, and he's known for playing Vic Mir in this film. Now, he's actually been in some uh, English films, like English-speaking films. He was in the film Next, and the two English films that he was in are War, Inc., and the film The Raven. Next person I have is Yelena Gravolovic. She plays the role of Maria, which is Miloš's wife in this film. Now, a couple of things that she's been in, she was in the film Cat Run, the film Everly, and the television series The Outpost. Now, here's something that's really interesting about her. She does, like, dub voice and singing, and for two Disney films. Oh, shit, okay. So she dubs uh, the Serbian dub of the Disney movie Frozen, where <laughs> she dubs the voice of Elsa. And then so she's, she's Elsa a, in, in Frozen 2 as well? Yeah, so she's the Serbian Elsa. <laughs> that's hilarious. That's really fucking funny. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. What? <laughs> oh yeah, it it gets it gets just as good here in just a minute. All right, 
the next person we have is Slobodan Bestic, and he plays the role of Marco. He is the brother of Milos in the film. And uh, this gentleman, he's known once again for being a Serbian actor. He's got a lot of stage credits to his name. He's very prominent. I think he studied like anthropology and stuff like that too. So very educated person as well. Like I said, a lot of shit I've never even heard of before. Mm. All right. The next person we have is Katarina Zutic. She plays the role of Leila. She is the former actress herself who lures in Milos. Yeah, did you see? Mm -hmm. She voices Gloria in the Serbian dub of the Madagascar franchise and Master Tigris in the Serbian dub of the Kung Fu Panda trilogy. Yeah, that's really funny. <laughs> like, wow. This is, I would have never guessed that, man. All right, I've got a couple other people. I have uh, Angela Nenadovic. She plays the role of Yeka. She's the young girl on the film. Right. She's actually, if I'm not mistaken, this is what the director says. So this is coming from his mouth. She's his younger sister, like real oh. life younger sister. Okay. I like, wow, okay. All right. Uh, Anna Sakic, she plays the role of Yaka's mother in the film. Lena Bagdanovic plays the nurse in this film. Luka Miotovic plays the role of Petar, which is a son of Milos and Maria in the film. And last but not least, we have Miodrag Krajmarek plays the role of Raja. He's the one-eyed guy mm. in the film. I mean, there's a couple of other right, people, right. a couple of henchmen here and there, but those are pretty much your main people in this film. So uh, the reason I didn't list a couple of credits, because like I said, a lot of these people, they only do Serbian stuff. So unless you're a fan of Serbian film or TV... Not a Serbian film. No, no, no. Serbian like film. Serbian, yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, yeah, that's our cast and crew. You gave us a setup of what this film is. Definitely have to give some warnings. And it's probably going to get into a little bit of spoiler territory, too, perhaps. Warning. I mean, how do we start with the warnings on this one? You most likely have heard of this movie if you're even listening oh, to yeah, this Oh, yeah, its reputation precedes itself. If you're listening to this because you're curious about whether you should watch this movie or not like <laughs> yeah it's not for the faint of heart let's go ahead and get that out of the way this is considered an extreme horror film in some ways we've done worse movies in yeah. some ways we haven't i agree with both sentiments yeah so nudity's a given dude's a fucking porn star yeah simulated sex on screen that's a given although we don't see any real penetration right Even though this is europe we're like they're cooler with it <laughs> yeah exactly but not in this film so beyond that uh, multiple <laughs> rapes yep on both sexes yes i mean how do we we've said nbp a couple times how i mean we'll definitely give that away in the next the, section but what's our warning on uh, that man what do I, we call that without giving it away do we you could just, just say there's just like give it away there's just like child pornography stuff, like pedophilia kind of shit. Right. You know, without spoiling too much. Not actually shown, obviously. No, no, we're a lot of that stuff is intimated. Fucking, yeah. Right. Yeah, we're not going to sit here and try to watch a real baby porn. Get out of here. <laughs> Violence towards women. Yeah. Yes. I a mean, there's... Of, a bit of blood and gore. Yeah. I mean, there is a beheading, should say that. Yeah. I mean, that's spoiler, but, you know, have to be warned. We already said rape, but technically, I guess we have other kinds of sexual violence, too. Yeah. <laughs> technically. You know, I'm trying to think. I mean, we've treaded along this territory with, like, necrophilia. I'm trying to think how far into I mean, it this it's would, been. I, this would be necrophilia. Technically, yeah. A lot of cussing. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that, <laughs> it's kind of given, too. If you don't like reading I mean, words, you know, alcohol, you drug use. Serbian, like. Right, 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 right. But, yeah, I mean... 
it's dealing with a lot of taboo subject matter here too. Keep in mind. Like I said, most likely you've heard of this. This is the extreme horror movie that people know. This yeah, isn't yeah. Atros. This isn't Melancholia Darangel, which right. you only know if you're already in the scene. This is the one that people know because it got what, like banned in eight countries? Like yeah, it, it did it did the art house circuit and people were like, <laughs> What the fuck is this? Yeah, this is the bad boy of the block. So it's everything we've just said it is. Fuck it. That's the best warning we're going to give you. Let's just get into talking about it. <laughs> How does that make you squeal? Scared. Yeah. Serbian film time. All right. Now we can just talk about this bitch. This is another one where I'm curious. How do we want to talk about this? Because it's supposed to be an art film, right? It's Supposedly, it's about Serbian politics. Right. And I get it. You know, after listening to what... The director and some of the people involved had to say about it. And, you know, it makes a little bit more sense. And I think I get it, too, to an extent. But does that mean do we want to go through it bit by bit? Or should we lay it out and then maybe talk about how some of this stuff might fit in? I like that. Yeah, that approach. That way we can just kind of get the surface level stuff out of the way. All right. So surface level. Let's see. How does this go? We got Milos lives with his fucking wife and kid. Right. Like you were saying, semi-retired porn actor it opens with like the kids discovered one of his porns <laughs> yeah he doesn't like it anymore he keeps himself half drunk all the time but one of his old co-stars comes by like this dude is trying to do something artistic with porn in serbia of all places but he's willing to fucking pay and i think he's legit and he wants you so you should probably come check this out and like he pays and not just like he pays a little, but like you don't have to do this anymore. You want out? This is your ticket out. Yeah, they allude to the fact that it's enough to take care of his son, Pitar, for like the rest of his life. Mm-hmm. Like they won't have to worry about money for that long. And you see the dude's place and you're like, okay, yeah, I agree. Oh, yeah, it's, <laughs> it's swank. <laughs> Milos is, of course, famous as a porn star because he had just magic dick. Right. He's the... Uh, Everlast bunny of porno. <laughs> he just keeps he can, going. He can get it up without needing to touch it, without any emotional stimulus. Yep. He can keep it going pretty much as long as you need him to. That's a stretch. He can't just indefinitely. Right, 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 right. If but, he yeah. needs to, first he's take Tommy. Like four porn stars in a row. Yeah, he's good. Before man. he's popping off. And he can do it all first take. He's a star. In every essence of the word. So he meets up with this Vukmir. Vukmir's like, here's the deal. You don't get to know. We already laid that out, right? Yeah, and he tries to sell it like, you know, people don't watch porn for the story or the plot. Mm -hmm. He's like, you know, all you need to do is just perform. So then we get the actual shots. The first one, he's just like, I just need you to go react. And so his driver gives him the fucking earpiece, and he's just, like, he's following these, the, the, nurse the bodyguards, after, yeah, basically. Them, they're, yep. they're the cameramen, but they're also very much, like, bodyguards, if you look at them. They're security. <laughs> and he's kind of just being led around to these different shit. Well, the first <laughs> one is, what, Jekka's getting scolded by her mom for becoming a prostitute? Yes, yeah, and this is like after her father and Yucca's mother's husband, a war hero, had died. Right. Yeah, and that's why she's like, you're disgracing his honor. And that scene actually 
for that's the takeaway from that scene but that scene actually lasts like four minutes like they're yelling at each other for a bit yeah <laughs> but it leads to because it's it's the it's the same doctor that gives him the drugs later. oh right? she doesn't have a name per se she's just known as the nurse right okay because it's the nurse that then leads him into the room after that whole confrontation right mm-hmm. yeah so oh yeah yeah because yeah what she does and what he watches yeah, because then she leads him into this dark room. Oh, this is all happening in an orphanage. Yeah, yeah, mind you. An abandoned orphanage. She leads him into a, like a classroom where she blows him while he's looking at screens showing Yekka eating an ice pop. Right, very suggestive, yeah. yeah. Oh, next, does the mom give him head? Is that the bit where, I the first so. bit where he's like, nah, I ain't gonna do this shit because... It's supposed to be that, oh yeah, because he gets head while Yekka watches from the mom, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> yep. He blows his load on her. That's mm-hmm. like because uh, who is it? The one of the filmographer guys, the the guards. Oh yeah, because he's he's like, I ain't gonna do this shit, and the dude gets him in like the fucking yeah. And he's like, Nah, you're here now, son. Yeah, and she's kind of clamped down on it a little mm-hmm. bit. Yeah. So he's forced to finish in that. <laughs> Oh shit! It, it gets to the point where we didn't talk about his brother or anything at all, but nah, like his no, brother's kind of popped in, it. and his brother is wealthy by being a corrupt police officer, and very obviously has a thing for his wife. We'll talk about more about that shit later because I know we're gonna have to get to talk about certain scenes. But basically, Milos is like, "Yeah, after all that, I think I'm out. Like, I can't do the kid shit." And yeah, so that's enough for His me, man. wife seems to be cool with that even though it's enough money for them to not have to deal with this shit anymore. But when he goes to go tell Wukmir, he's got some other shit to tell him. He has his own breakdown. Not really a breakdown, but he flies off on his fucking artistic ego shit. Almost tries to convince Milos one more time by like, this is what I'm doing. I'm fucking pushing the barriers. Look, I got a whole new genre. Oh, man. Yeah, he's got his own genre. And so then we get footage of a dude fucking a newborn kid. Newborn porn. Newborn porn. NBP. (laughs) That's right. He's a real NBP. (laughs) Milos is like super fucked this up. Oh, yeah. He's fucking disturbed by it. But it doesn't matter because he got drugged already. Yes. And mm-hmm. what I like about that, too, is how it goes from, you know, him driving away to him listening to a radio segment. It's kind of specifying a date. He runs into the nurse somehow, and then he wakes up three days, four days later. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then he has to play back his broken memories. So then he's basically retracing his steps. Occasionally... He regains memory of that time, and occasionally he sees videotape. But basically, he finds out that, like, the nurse was a trap, got him back to Wukmir's. They'd done him up with fucking horse Viagra. Yeah, yeah, cattle aphrodisiac. Yeah, that was what it was. Bull Um, Viagra. (laughs) Yeah. Something like that. Yeah. And so now it's time for him to just do all the shit that Wukmir really wanted him to do. And so first is raping Yekka's mom on the bed, right? Mm-hmm. And then beating her. And beating her. Well, because... He's got the earpiece in, got too. got the earpiece in, beating her. At a certain point, they hand him the, the machete. <laughs> there you go, machete. And they're like, you know, just keep up with that action you were just doing, basically. Yeah. We're just going to put this in your hand while you're doing it. 
And so he ends up cutting off her head while fucking her doggy. Yeah, and they have to, like, pry him loose by, like, kicking Mm -hmm. her off of him. He's all done up on the fucking Bulvagra. He's just conked out round one. (laughs) So he's fucking out cold almost. Not out cold. He's like, but he's not with it. Yeah, exactly. He's he's in a cell where he gets raped by the guards because he punched one of them. Well, this is how I had it written down, because he does find those stash of tapes, and they're all kind of coated with dicks and whatever. And one of the first ones is the donkey show. Yeah. Yeah, the second one is where one of the dudes rapes him. The third one is where Layla, she's kind of showing her disdain to uh, Yukmir. Mm -hmm. And then, then the next thing you know is she's getting her teeth removed because she's like chained up, and then the mask guy comes in and... The ones up gagging her and suffocating her. And it's kind of implied in that scene that the masked guy is Wukmir. Right. But it's not 100% sure. Yeah, we don't know for sure. And then the next little thing that you see or the segment that you see is Yucca's granny offers her as like a virgin commune for yep. getting rid of Yucca, right? Because it appears that the granny is the war hero, Yucca's dad's mom or whatever, and she's like, yeah, I went through the same thing with my father. And they're trying to, like, pass him off as, like, this fatherly figure to her. That's mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, fucked up. And he winds up getting a knife and threatening to cut his own cock off. And then, yeah, he jumps out the window and escapes or whatever. And then the next thing I have after that is uh, he winds up, like, getting in a car, drives off, whatever, finds this alley, calls his brother first. I was about to say, he strains up enough that he's able to make a call to his brother. Give him the address and all that shit. I'm here, come pick me up, shit's gone bad. He almost sees another sexual assault happen, (laughs) but because he's all done up on the Bulvagra, he just starts fucking beating it to it, which then he just gets his ass kicked for a bit. Yeah, because he's like, what the fuck? Some help is on the way, though. Right. Because that's when Raja comes out and snaps... Those dudes next, drags him back in the car, and then he has a conversation with Yukmir on the ride back to the warehouse. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's kind of where it leads into all the next reveals. He basically tells him, this is kind of fucked up, he tells him the story of the monk's golden goats, and I'll, I'll get into that maybe once we get past this stuff. <laughs> He's brought in for this fucking family scene. There's a couple bodies strapped down on the bed. He starts going to town on the one. Looks over on the smaller bottom on the other. Like, starts yeah, going some of that too. there. Mass man comes in. Mass man comes in. Mass man starts giving it to the first one. He looks over like, oh, that's fucking weird. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And then the little legs starts to bleed from underneath. Mm-hmm. And then like, you know, just getting it, getting it. And then... Wukmir's right up in their face the entire time. Yeah, he's loving it, man. He's like, this is the shot. And so he's I like, want. all right, here it is. And he unmasks the mask. It's the brother. You're like, damn. Yep. Unmasks who the brother's fucking. Yep, it's, it's the wife. It's the wife. What's behind door number three? <laughs> Y'all can guess. Ooh, yeah, not pretty. So a happy Serbian family, mm-hmm. as Yukmir ascribes it to. And then... There's like a, a moment where the nurse comes back in because she got stabbed in the neck from earlier after Milos comes in and she's trying to drug him up or whatever she's doing. And it also implies that there was a another rape of sorts with perhaps a pipe. 
Oh, yeah. Well, that would have been self, but it would have been drug-induced. I don't know how much you want to count that as self. Like, yeah, it's like, I don't know, because there's a cut, but yeah, probably. But what it does is it draws the attention to her, and it gives him a chance to attack Yukmir, and then Maria attacks Marco, and then all the other shit ensues from there. It unravels. Pretty much they kill everybody. Right. And then there's this stark reality that we have a broken family. <laughs> At that point, he's still all fucking drug. Still this fucked is, up, yeah. Yeah, this is all him remembering because he figures out that at the end of being drugged and dealing with all that shit, he ended up chaining him up in the basement. So he goes, finds him in the basement. All right, his family's there. They have a really awkward couple days. Yeesh. And then do the, <laughs> have a bit of a family suicide moment. Yeah, like this Where is... he puts a bullet through all three of them laying on the bed because they can't go on living with all of this. Yes, exactly. Leading to... Oof. A new film crew coming in. Because this ain't over. <laughs> well, the movie's pretty much over. Because all we hear then is start with the little one. Yeah. And then it ends. We don't see him start with the little no, one. No, no, no. But that's... <laughs> see, it's heavily implied. So there's the bare bones. Yes. The bare bones of a Serbian film. Now, there's some really gritty stuff. And interesting things. And I think the second time through, too. Like, so it was one of those things that really helps kind of put films like this in a better perspective is listening to some of the lines that people say and some of the things they do and what it means, etc. And I think it gives this film a little bit more brevity. It makes this film have a little bit more substance than just, you know, in your face, depravity and what have you. You know, there's a lot more going on than that. Here's one of the things I kind of wanted to get to, and I'm not maybe maybe jumping into this right now as early when we haven't yeah, talked fine. about hardly anything else, but... Like, you bought the Blu-ray. You checked out some of the, the special features on there. Like, there's a Q&A that involves the director. When I got done watching this movie, I was like... All right, so, first off, I suppose, going into this movie, I knew it was supposed to be an allegory. Even if it's a, a hard allegory for a lot of people to see through the content. So, I went into it looking at it as such. Which I think also makes it easier to get through the tougher parts of this film. I, I, yeah, I agree with that. When you're sitting there looking for the meaning rather than like meditating on what's actually happening on screen. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So afterwards, I started looking up, you know, doing a little bit of research. What have people said about the meaning? What could I find about what the directors said? And it seems like in interviews and Q&As and stuff, he goes back and forth a lot. Like sometimes it seems like he clams completely up and almost doesn't say anything except it's an art film. Yeah. It's yeah. an art film. It's against political correctness and it's an art film. It's against censorship, and it's an art film. Without, like, any other detail? I know you're saying without giving some more context. Which almost makes me wonder to an extent. Although I think we would both agree there's messages you could find in here, especially as it relates to corruption in government, corruption in politics, exploitation of masses of people. Yeah. Is there a possibility that this movie is also just a giant troll? Uh, you could say probably, yeah. I don't see why not. Where the whole point was to leave things vague enough so people would wonder, and especially if all you're doing is saying yeah. it's an art film, then people will start ascribing meaning where there wasn't any. You know, I think what's captivating, too, about films like this, and this one in particular as well, is because of what you see, all the taboo and all that other stuff, right, it's already going to bring up conversation because it's going to divide so many people, mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, to where 
you know, if that's all the film's sake was, it was just to create conversation and to divide people, you know, just because of its content, then it's already done its job, you know? So yeah, you can just ascribe it say, yeah, it's just an art film. It's just an art film. And then, yeah, all the other stuff you can read into if you want to, it's, it's open for that discussion. The first time through, actually, as I was watching it, it reminded me of a story I heard I kind of assume this is true. I never went and did any independent research afterwards to look up any more details of the event. But when I was in college and studying music history, it was writing about music history was the class I was in. And our professor was telling us it was at the beginning of 20th century classical. And there was like a lot more of uptick in like the avant-garde and a lot more uptick in just using weird shit. And... Our professor told us about a pianist whose act was to go, went up, they went up, like had this big whatever, like come to this fucking new piano concerto that I did, filled up the fucking house. They went and did their thing, sat at the piano, pulled out a gun and shot themselves in the hand. Yeah. Because the piece was actually, wasn't the music that they intended to play at the piano, the art was the reaction of the crowd. What happens when that happens on stage? Yeah, that's a good point. This film kind of reminded me of that. Like, is it this extreme just to see what the audience does with that? Right, just to provoke emotions and, mm-hmm. you know, a response, if any. Like I said, is it a troll? You could say that. I mean, you honestly could make arguments for it, yeah. That being said... There's enough breadcrumbs there that even if it is a troll, you can piece together, I think, arguments that this movie is actually saying something deeper. Yeah, and I will say this. If not the director, more so the other writer on this project, he was a lot more vocal about you know, what it meant to be Serbian and expressing it in this film as you know an allegory for some political stuff. And like you've already alluded to, exploitation, et cetera, et cetera. So I know he's a lot more vocal about his meaning of what this film entails. Mm. Whereas Sir John, he does ascribe it to that as well, but maybe not as vocal. Right. And he does tend to be a little bit more of the focus. Of yeah, he's a little bit more discreet. Yeah, yeah. He's, he's an interesting guy. He, he is because he's, I think he's careful with his words. I think from the get-go, though, you have the opening with the Serbian film and it makes it look like some prim and proper Eastern European spectacle. Like it was like almost like it's going to be a period piece set at (laughs) like a fucking high class ball in the early 1900s, late 1800s. Yeah, exactly. And then it gets smashed through with a fucking modern logo and that (laughs) fucking score kicks in. It's just like, man, 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 I'm going to kick you in the balls. (laughs) Exactly. It really does set up, uh, you know, a juxtaposition of sorts. And we're still talking about it, too, is the title shot, you know, that's a critique of what you would normally see in a Serbian style film, not a Serbian film per se, but Serbian films, you know, because they've stated that in order to get a film in Serbia, you have to get like Eastern money and it's done a certain way. You know what I mean? So films like these don't really exist. You have to almost because they gorilla shoot much it. Went outside a lot of those means as best they could, right? Yeah, to make this film. Uh, absolutely. So that's kind of the critique already 
it's you know it's setting you up for something and then smashing the wall so to speak with what you see next and everything that unfurls from there i think there's parts of this movie that are probably more specific to serbia that i'm either going to miss or i'm going to miss ascribe to a wider like political idea or but you know social idea i wanted to try to be able to interpret this right and went to look up serbian history after watching this as well not I didn't just look up director interviews. I was like, okay, what is the history of Serbia? I read just from fucking, like, World War One on. Dude, that fucking place. Like, I can't even imagine having to deal with that kind of upheaval all the fucking time. Yeah, it's just one of those parts of the world that is just constantly struggling. You know, there's, like, power grips and change of hands and dictatorships and more wars and changing of names of countries. And it's crazy. Maybe I wasn't reading it right, but it seemed to me like they were in the middle of a civil war when the Nazis invaded. Yeah, what the fuck? <laughs> like, who invited you guys? Like the Holocaust. Jesus, Murphy, man. And had 90% of their Jewish population exterminated. It's unreal. Like, yeah, like I so said, the Balkans and that part of Eastern Europe, it's wild, man. And I think had like one of the first towns that were just wiped out by the Nazis. Sad, but yeah. And then, yeah, like you said, dictators, people getting assassinated, (laughs) fucking... What the fuck? Let's talk about, like, the hundred years there were Yugoslavia. (laughs) No, (laughs) what the hell, man? Or not a hundred years, but... but, but Yeah, still, and I think probably Western, this is probably a better critique saying, Western countries and people like ourselves probably are are more familiar with, like, Milosevic and things Mm -hmm. of that nature, a little bit more common era stuff, so... Still not good. <laughs> and I think this this is technically supposed to be more of a critique of Serbia post-Milosevic. Right. But right. I can't help but think the amount of, like, civil wars at different oh, times God. this country has went through couldn't help but influence the brother stuff. Brother against brother. You have fucking, what's it, Marco? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Marcos. And I don't think there was a mistake that the three adults of the family are all, you know, they start with the letter M. Mm. Uh, You know, you got Maria, Marcos, and Milos. I don't think that's a mistake. Marcos' role in the end and being kind of default against Milos because of his own desires is classic kind of Civil War kind of imagery, brother against brother. But you go further than that and like... Milos is wealthy by being a corrupt cop. Like, if you're looking for the beginning of the political allegory in this, there's an easy jump-off point. Exactly. Direct tie right there. Also, with the history of some of these different social movements and the civil wars and the international strife and the way that, especially in modern times, some of that has been fomented, I don't think it's any mistake that the wife's job is of a translator of somebody who's trying to reach out to these other communities and connect in some way and for her to be brutalized by the system by the end of the movie you know that's a that's a good point too and if you look at typically who the oppressors are in these situations it's male dominant right there should be no mistake that women are exploited just as as harshly under these circumstances, whether it be, you know, from the government, what have you, outside agencies, and in this case, the family too, is still getting exploited. 
I know one of the things that's commented on by some of the creators in this is how it's like anti-political correctness and a lot of the stuff that gets into the actual pornography making and what they say about it and such throughout this movie kind of makes me feel like that's true in a way like this movie could have been made about a reality tv show that just had a weird dramatic occurrence and you could have said all of the same exact things about exploitation and people desiring to watch a fake version of what they want to perceive as reality which we can get into more in a second here because in a way that's all porn anyway whether it gets to this extreme or not Right, right it's yeah it's still a fantasy but they just took that concept and were like okay so now what's the most extreme way we could do it yeah let's ramp it up like here's all the ideas behind it what is the most unpc way we could do this and this doesn't even make it the most unpc way there's no racism in this you're right you're right <laughs> they just but they still found a way to turn it up to 11 basically oh, exactly but i think this just as easily could have been about a reality tv show yeah, and still have a payoff, you know, when it touches be, on these still subjects. said all the same things. Right, I agree. Which I, I agree. think some people would say hold against this movie. If you could say this right. without going to these places, then why didn't you just say it that way? And like, the point of this movie is like, well, how does it matter if how I say it if you're getting the message? Exactly. That's the whole point is, you know, don't shoot the messenger. Mm-hmm. You know, you got the message. If you want to tell that tale, you do it. I did it my way. Mm-hmm. Was there anything that's st- like, I-, I know that you mentioned like second time through some more of the, the things started to stick out to you. Like Yeah, like some of the early lines, it is mostly that comes through Vukmir, that character. I almost feel like sometimes there's a little bit of the director. I had the same thought. I feel like whenever the director wants to speak, he does it through Vukmir. But I don't think he otherwise identifies with Vukmir. No, 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 no. I think it's just making a social commentary on certain things about Serbia through that character. Mm-hmm. And it could be a combination of what I've already mentioned before, Alexander, the other writer in Serjan. And I feel like it's, it could be a combination of both because they both talked about the fact that they co-wrote this film with certain things in mind. They didn't really have all the sex stuff and all that shit in mind. It just was a product of a story about exploitation, what it was like growing up the last 20-something-odd years in Serbia and post-Milosevic, like you were alluding to. And they've even ascribed it a little bit to, like, the 70s with American cinema, right? Mm. Touched on a lot of taboo subjects. It was post-Vietnam War, you know, so there were certain sentiments at home that were kind of brewing, and you had this very organic cinema that was coming out you did, same thing with exploitation and grindhouse and all this other stuff and so that was kind of like maybe their version of that not because they said they they liked 70s films a lot so they have a little bit of that in common you mm-hmm. know it was like their way of making a, a statement well this is why i was hesitant to just call this movie a troll from the get-go i think there's a really good chance this movie might still just be a troll for all the reasons I, I outlined yeah, already. Yeah, yeah. But there are things that carry through the movie. We get set up very early on. Well, not very early on, but we get set up early on with Milosh's wife finally wanting him to fuck her the way he does all of his co-stars. And I think that ties in later to some of Vukmir's speeches 
because he points out to her, he's like, well, I don't do that with you because I love you. Yeah. I'm just doing my fucking job up there. But sometimes we desire things to be fake, I think is what they were saying with her. Mm-hmm. Sometimes we want things, even though if they're not real, we want them the way that we think they should be. Yeah, there's a, a line <clears throat> between that fantasy and the reality of things, you know, and sometimes that that reality of your fantasy can be very, very harsh. You know, yeah. uh, I'll give you a perfect example. This is a little side nugget, but this is almost in line with what we're talking about. I've been watching and listening to like a bunch of reaction videos, but one in particular was uh, Tom Segura, where he talked about the first time he heard about what a 69 was. He's like, he was way too young to really understand, but that's the only thing he could think about until he actually did it. And then he's like, the first thing that came out of his mouth was get off me. Right. (laughs) (laughs) You know, because it wasn't as pleasant as it always sounded. Mm -hmm. So as I'm saying, he he had fantasized about that for so long until the reality on this idea literally sat on his face. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I think what it ties into specifically is later on with Vukmir's what I called the love art blood speech. Mm -hmm. When he goes into like how being a victim sells, which ties heavily into like the governmental corruption and conning people and manipulating people onto your side because it's kind of a double-edged thing where you're both selling the idea that being a victim sells in the sense that like you can sell both the idea that these people over here have it worse so you have it good no matter how bad I'm actually treating you. Yeah, exactly. Which government does all the fucking time, right? It's propaganda, man. Yeah. But it's also selling the idea of you're the victim, you need to stand up for your shit, like we're seeing with a lot of these fucking right-wing fascist movements. Yeah. And like what we've seen with, I mean, come on, like fucking white nationalists have had the 14 words for how long, which is what, (laughs) in order to secure a fucking white nation for our kids or whatever. Right, exactly. I don't have it memorized because I'm not a fucking white nationalist, but the (laughs) whole idea is you're the actual victim. You need to stand up and take back what's yours. Victimhood sells. We don't want the real. We want the real the way that we think it looks. Exactly, dude. Yeah, and that's kind of the sad reality of of a lot of it is when you can narrow it down to have like individual groups, like you were saying, to the point where it becomes extremism – the whole point is everybody's a victim. It's not just you. You know, it's like one thing I've heard, I thought that was a, a really good way of surmising some of this current political stuff that's going on too. It's not a matter of a left or right. It's a matter of an up and down. You know, the ones at the top are the ones exploiting everybody in mm-hmm. between. So, you know. And that's not trying to be both sides. No, no. It's just that like there is exploitation happening yeah, within all of this. That's what I'm getting at. It, it, it covers a wider spectrum mm-hmm. than I think people realize, but that's what some of this thing about this film, too, is not just a, a Serbian thing exclusively. Exploitation happens around the world, regardless of where it's at, right? It's still a topic that some people realize it, some people push it aside, some people have no idea, you know? But it's something that is very prevalent. Well, I think where part of this movie does an extremely good job is that it shows some of the differences in what's needed for some of this to happen. Milos is the right tool for the job. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But that's he's literally recruited because he can do something. At a certain point, they actually need 
to break him and force him to do it. Mm -hmm. Like, he's not actually a believer in all this. He's just a tool for the system. Yeah. But he's literally the right tool. He's the one that they need. I'm pretty sure Wukmir believes his shit. I think, especially with the way the movie ends, we can infer that he was probably also being used. Absolutely, man. He was at the top of the food chain. No, 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 no. He was a victim of... He even says it at the very beginning of the film. Well, not very beginning, but somewhere in the dialogue near the beginning of the film where he talks about it's an organization and they're going to get the product that they pay for. And I think much like how Vukmir sought out Milos because he's the right tool for the job, the people above him sought him out because he's the right tool in the sense that he believes all of his own bullshit. Yeah, he's easy. I think 100% think he's a true believer. He reminded me a lot of, in Sons of Anarchy, in the second season, Mm -hmm. there's a big back and forth with the local white supremacist gang. And much like in real life, if you know anything about, like, the Aryan Brotherhood and shit, like, their numbers aren't enough to always protect them. So they end up partnering a lot for extra muscle with, like, Mm -hmm. Mexican street gangs. Gotcha. And Henry Rollins is in that season, and at the end of the season, when he finds out his boss was working with fucking Mexicans, he gets all pissed off because he was the true believer. He was the guy that was brought in because he really brought into this bullshit, and you see it throughout the season where they have to, like, occasionally go send him to the other room because it's like, he can't hear this shit because I'm about to go be all buddy-buddy with fucking... Right, right, right. That's just like, um, maybe another good example, too, could be, like, the skit that Dave Chappelle did, man, with Clayton Bigsby as well. well yeah. You got all these people believing and buying into this ideology, and then when it's unmasked, it literally blows one dude's head up because he bought into it so hard. Mm-hmm. You know, of course, it's satirical, but... You can still say, hey, yeah, there are people that still buy into this extremist nonsense. And Wukmir never has that wake up moment where he realizes that he was being used as well. Maybe he does. Maybe he doesn't care because they're allowing him to do what he wants to do. Yeah, right, right, right. That's his vision, his But the fact is, is he was also the right tool for the job in this story about exploitation. Right. The story didn't end with him. Mm -hmm. Also... I'm not entirely sure what this is supposed to represent other than I'm not sure how many people realize how good of a contrast it was between what Milos was trying to do and educate. I guess the the juxtaposition of the setup earlier in the movie where Milos and his wife are actually really good about dealing with teaching their son about sexuality and then the ending of it, the tragicness of it having to be thrust upon god i'm making just all the worst fucking puns today but you know what i mean like (laughs) yeah 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 i know exactly what you're saying what they were trying to do versus what they're forced to do i guess yeah best intentions versus what they're forced into by the system that they were brought into and that's something i was thinking about a lot over the weekend with some of the more recent films that we've talked about and a lot of similarities this film has with a lot of past films that we've talked about. Well, it's Kill List, isn't it? It's like you could say because of the family dynamic, Kill List. I even thought there was a little bit of Atros in this. I mean, we, it's an easy one to... But there are some connections, I think. Well, I can't remember how much we talked about it during the Atros episode, 
But like Lex Ortega, I remember reading an interview with him after we did that episode where he's like, yeah, this is all about fucking governmental overreach. Yeah. And like like, government being shitty. And like that's why everybody who's shit in that movie at every level above the main character in that movie, every authority figure above him fails and shits on him in some way, whether it's his parents or the government above him. And the government doesn't care, which is exemplified by the missing homeless and what we find out why the homeless are missing. By yeah, it's crazy, man. But it just goes to show, yeah. Here's something that I got from this too, and I thought it was a very poignant point. This is tying back into like the PC political correctness and the the fascist state that they're kind of under with the film and Serbia and all this other stuff. And you can ascribe it a little bit to the West as well. It's not just here. It's censorship as a whole, right? It's a lot of the films, they want to dilute things and still keep it very saccharine, very sweet, and almost kind of want to coddle you. It reminded me a little bit what we talked about last week with The Descent. You know, the difference between the American cut and the UK cut is only, what, a minute? Mm-hmm. <laughs> but it, it has ramifications, it changes meanings and all this other stuff. And in the same sense is, you know, when you start to censor things like this, you can't show this, you can't show that. And I understand to varying degrees, but it's still art. It's subjective. We've made the argument too, you know, these are actors and actresses and effects and all this other stuff, right? But what it's doing is if when you start to censor stuff like this, is that the real victims of these things don't have a voice because these films are kind of giving them a voice. As extreme as it is, it's still presenting those conversations and those dark realities that, hey, you know, just because you don't want to see it or hear it or what have you doesn't mean it doesn't exist. You know, you have to confront it some way. No, I've been interpreting a lot of this stuff really wildly or widely, not wildly. <laughs> I do feel like a lot of the stuff directly within Milosh's family is supposed to be more specific to Serbia. Like there's themes that you can catch just from being an awake person in this world <laughs> yeah for sure not man. saying like we're woke but just like but no, paying I mean, attention to things every once in a while yeah, exactly not being completely like head in the sand you no we're not to, com- you don't have uh, to have your head way above the sand oh no, man i'm not saying you just, have to be on some higher level i'm just saying anyone who even like peaks ab- above the fucking yeah, i mean you have a little bit of, of your hand on the pulse you know a little bit so maybe the most infamous scene the newborn porn I think is maybe the most generalized statement in this movie because it almost feels just like this is the unfortunateness of anyone who's just born into a system that's going to exploit them. That's exactly how I read that. Yeah, it was the most extreme way of showing you how much you are getting fucked from the moment you're born and also in this case, the moment you die. Yeah. And beyond. I think you can make the argument that anyone born into a system where they're going to be exploited means literally 99% of us, if not more. Yeah. I don't necessarily think the film (laughs) intends it for that message to be for 99% of us. Oh, yeah, no. (laughs) I don't think that film necessarily counts me growing up in fucking rural Montana. No, but I do think that message, that might be a, I'm sorry... It's weird to say that the newborn porn scene is an I'm sorry. It's not so much of an I'm sorry as like an I see you. You know what I mean? Like, I see you. I get it. This is how I'm acknowledging that I get it. And I do think like maybe you could argue that it would apply to like anybody who grows up in the inner city. No doubt. If you're being exploited and forgotten about and just 
you know, have it offend for yourself. Like I said, it's an extreme way of representing it, but it still is a way of shining some light on it too, you know? Mm -hmm. Like for the unfortunate is what I'm getting at. In modern day capitalist society, we're all getting exploited to an extent. No doubt. But I don't think that scene is for all of us. I think it's supposed <laughs> yeah. to be for the people who not just are getting exploited, but also have to deal with this and with that and with that. Man. And it sucks because there's way too many people that are born into circumstances that are way beyond their control. But it's a reality. Without, man. It can be a really dark place if you think about it. But mm -hmm. that is the reality of these things, too. You know, it's... It's not Disney films all the time, man. Right. The ICU, I think, doesn't apply to. I don't. Know, I've already said that like fifteen times. I but no, yeah, I think it's a good. It's a good point to drive home too. It's it's not for everybody. Like this film, it's not for everybody. Right. But for people like us, you know, who do enjoy horror and sometimes on the extreme end, is that we can look beyond what's going on in the scenes itself and maybe extrapolate some other meanings out of some of this stuff. And so what I said earlier about Milos being the correct tool and then getting to a certain point and then having to be incited further, <laughs> I couldn't help but think of the weird allegorical similarities behind him being whipped into a frenzy to perform such a fucking terrible act of this rape and beheading and then his payment for that to be raped by the guards. Man. I don't know if I can sit here and explain step by step, but for whatever reason, like if you don't see like the parallels between that and like the Capitol rioters getting whipped into a fucking frenzy to do that riot in the first place and now facing all these charges oh, yeah. and not getting pardoned by Trump as he was going out the door, but he does pardon fucking Bannon who was in federal prison for fucking conning money out of Trump supporters. If that's not an allegorical, oh, we just man. whipped you into a fucking frenzy, had you do this shit, and then rape yeah, you afterwards. You. Yeah. Like you said, everybody is... In this film, actually, you could say it, literally every character is a victim. Yeah. Except the one character, I think you could argue, isn't the victim, is the guy who he passes by... Right. Who is in charge at the end. Right. He's but the 1%. Yeah, he definitely is. But because it's super ambiguous with him, too, we don't know if there's somebody above him either. Exactly. We just know he's a part of this cabal and the shady organizations, which, once again, we've alluded to this a little bit, too, and it's kind of coming to the surface somewhat so with these pedophile rings and all this other shit, these shady, you know, <laughs> people behind closed curtains. It's very... Uh, I don't know. It's it's an interesting way of bringing a lot of this shit to the surface is what I'm getting at overall. Even through a film like this, it's still touching on those subjects. Okay, so now off all the shit that makes us sound like <laughs> conspiracy theorists. <laughs> <laughs> One of the things I was astounded by, I had seen screenshots of this movie. I didn't actually realize that it was that beautifully shot all the way through. Yeah, this dude, is a really pretty looking film. Artistically... The editing, the score, I know we already talked about that. The pacing. This film was really technically shot well, dude. And something I learned, too, was at the time they were shooting with 4K, like one of the first ones to do it. Oh, right. This was shot on a red. 
I don't remember which model. But. Yeah, I couldn't tell you that, but they did mention that, so that's why it still looks as good as it fucking does. Well, it probably would have been just about the same exact camera that Bob Rod was using at the time. You're probably right, yeah. I know he's super on board with the fucking digital, so... <laughs> There's also way too many times in this movie that it had me fucking laughing. <laughs> yeah, I agree with that too. Like in moments where normally you shouldn't be laughing, there was some weird chuckles. Like uh, there's a weird but touching moment with the kid and his dad, Milos, in the park. Oh, shit. Yeah. No, the wheels spin better at night. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, wow. <laughs> but he's not wrong either. <laughs> you know, so I was like, wow, that's. It's a touching moment, but in a weird way, you know, mm -hmm. I like to chuckle a little bit of that. And then there's like the more, you know, <laughs> like, what the fuck, man? Like the eye skull fucking. That fucking, that actually had me laughing because that yeah. was just got to absurd. Okay. So that scene, yeah. by the way, <laughs> the aftermath of the family scene, the revenge, the, the killing all the guards and shit didn't feel like it fit with the rest of this movie to me. It felt way too triumphant for how bleak the rest of this movie feels. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I think that's why that the ending kind of hits the way it does, too. It's I do think it helps set up the ending better. Right. Because you have that moment of triumph just for it to be like, oh. Let me ask you this, since we're in that area of the film. The score, I think, for me, is what highlighted it, or at least made me think of this other film, and that's Martyrs, mm. with its tone the way that score at the end kind of sets it up like very bleak and dreary. I and I wasn't thinking of martyrs. It reminded me of, especially during the end, there's a really sad guitar piece going. Mm -hmm. Just the using of the guitar reminded me of Cannibal Holocaust. Oh, yeah, yeah. But this was much more discordant. It was much more like almost like notes were being missed on purpose. Right, yeah. I fucking loved it. Uh, no, I, said I didn't think Martyrs right off, but now I now I am. <laughs> like, no, I just, it, it, I think it was in part the score and just, you know, the way the actors were portraying those moments after all that shit that just transpired. And then when you think it's over, it's not over. And then it's like, the motherfucker, man. <laughs> oh, shit. Yeah. And that's that's what I like, too. It's just... It goes beyond and it still hits its point and even mentioned that in the film. It's, you know, it's, it's a, a big metaphor, allegory for, like you were saying, if you're born into a particular system that exploits for the sake of exploitation, doesn't matter which point in your life from the moment you're born and everything in between to your death, they're still going to exploit you and even beyond the grave if they can, mm -hmm. you know? So yeah, I think it hit its mark. I'm trying to think all the... I ended it because I ended up laughing way too many times during this. I started fucking brother I started jerking laughing. it and blowing his load. What the fuck? So the brother having a fucking go suddenly just jerk off in the bathroom. I laughed a little bit at before that, though, because right before that was when Milos decided to take the job. Right. Yeah. And as soon as he decides he's going to take the job, he starts working out <laughs> and fucking doing meditating. Oh, it's so shit. funny, man. And I'm just like, oh, the montage sequence. <laughs> I'm like, you're going to get your little fucking mon. And right before he starts his run, he gives the little fucking hip thrust. That's pretty funny. He's like, oh, yeah. Like, yeah. Back in the saddle. Let's do it. Oh, yeah. When Marco is fucking watching the home videos, <laughs> at first I was like, what the fuck? But then 
after the what the fuckness, there's a hilarious part because when she's like, oh, you're you're fucking your animal's gone soft again when she lifts her head up and shit she's like time's flying by because she's like fucking hooker and she's like what what should we do and then as soon as she says that i can't remember if she says what should we do or what should i do as soon as she said that on the fucking video because it's petar's birthday you hear blow harder yeah 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 i caught that too i thought that shit was hilarious yeah even in the home videos there are some touching moments like milos inhales the helium balloon and singing into his son and all that stuff's warming but then you've got the brother watching it because he's getting off to maria while he's getting sucked off by a prostitute and on top of it he's being jealous of his brother and then it cuts to a porno of his brother Mm-hmm. And he's like, he's like, you know, he can please all these women here. He's always erect. How does he do it? And they're both kind of admiring in the work. She's <laughs> so like, if you know, if I if I have to tell you that, yeah, you're kind of no good to me. <laughs> but the other part where I laughed real fucking hard, and I don't think I'm, I don't think you're supposed to laugh during this scene, but it's because of a different fucking movie when Milos is railing his son. And his brother shows up with a fucking hood on and starts putting it into his wife. The face that Milos makes when he looks over and sees the guy fucking with the hood, all it did was remind me of Christian in Midsummer, And I <laughs> that's lost funny. it fucking laughing. Yeah, I mean, that's the stark reality of it, man. It's like, yes, we're Eskimo brothers now. <laughs> It was like same energy. Like yeah. that look he gives is the same one as like when the, the grandma or whatever in Midsummer comes over right next to him and starts. <laughs> and that look that he gives her. Yeah. Like, I was just like, I've seen that before. And that I is lost fucking it. That's what I'm getting at, too. It's I think if you told somebody without any of this context that I laughed really hard, like three times in this movie. Yeah. They're like, what the fuck is wrong with you? You know, I'm like, well. You don't know what I know. <laughs> Man, that's what I'm getting at. It's like, it's not just a film that's extreme. It, it goes beyond that. And that's why I can appreciate this kind of stuff, too. It actually has a purpose. I have one suggestion that would cut, at most, three seconds from this film. And I think it would make it more extreme. I think it would have actually made it land harder for me by the end. And that's never show that ridiculously fucking fake dick (laughs) that they used for any penetration scene yeah i don't know if fucking stunt cock when you have the montage and he walks out naked oh yeah 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 yeah. i don't know if that's him or not that's probably fucking Wahlberg stunt cock as well that one didn't look bad the one they use whenever you see anytime any sort of penetration is supposed to be happening looks fucking terrible yeah you you know it's a stunt cock or some kind of prosthetic yeah it's 100 percent not even like it didn't even look like they threw any sort of fucking effects oh, paint yeah, yeah, on yeah. that dildo just get that sucker in there <laughs> and like we watched a, a featurette right beforehand yeah. showing the baby the baby with the wrong lighting on it looks like a prop but Dude. it looks good yeah. And when it's in the movie, it looks really good. That's what I'm getting at. There's a little bit of that makeup that, if you, you know, under the right circumstances, lighting, all that, could pass as a real baby. The cocks? Not so much. <laughs> yeah. They, they didn't pay as much detail to the cock. It looks like a real dildo. 
I'll give it that. Yeah. Which guess what? If you're performing those acts that hard with the dildo, it's still not going to be good for the person. <laughs> no. But when the movie is supposed to be showing you a person doing it and you catch a glimpse of that, yeah. it breaks the immersion. <laughs> <laughs> I agree with you there. And that once again, too, it lets you know that you're watching a film, mm-hmm. not something that's real. Let's get that clear here. <laughs> so, yeah, just another one of those things I'd mark it as a defense for this film. I just noticed one of my notes, and so I have to go back. Oh, to, yeah, no, to, no, no. I have good. to back this way up to what I was saying. Like, is this movie a troll? And how we both agree that Vukmir seems to sometimes talk for the director. And I think when he asks, who wants to know what a porno film is about, is also maybe a hint that this is a little bit of a troll. Yeah, I could see that. Because this movie, I would say, falls within the literal definitions of porn. In that, I would like to say that there's a really good film critic called Film Crit Hulk, who once did a series of essays on the James Bond movies, in order, one by one. One of the very early ones, it might have been the very first one, but one of the like the first four, he probably writes 10,000 words on why James Bond is also could be considered a pornography. And that's more like the description I'm going with in the sense that pornography simply means like it's not bad writing because I think that would be like malography unless I'm forgetting my roots wrong. But basically along the lines of bad writing or extreme writing or whatever, uh-huh. taboo writing this is pornography. No, no. So who agreed. wants to know what a f- pornography film's about? That's a good sad stand too. And that's why knowing that the people that he chose to do this film weren't just Joe Schmoes off the block. Right now for people like you and I, because we're not from Serbia, we don't know who these people are. But to know some of their prominence, like we've already mentioned, some of these actresses, one's Elsa, Mm-hmm. The other one is doing like Madagascar and all that stuff, uh, Kung Fu Panda. Um, the point being is is that they have some very well-known people on board with a film like this, right? Which typically with an exploitation film or an extreme film, it's not very common that you see big names on stuff like that. You know what I mean? But he, he said the reason why, too, that a lot of these people are on board is because they agreed with the message. It wasn't like... They signed on and then were like, no, I don't agree with this. And they were outspoken about this scene or that scene. Because that was one of the questions some of these people asked in the Q's and A's were, you know, were there any moments when you were filming this that somebody had an objection to? And he's like, no, everybody pretty much had the same vision, you know. And if that were the case, if then they wouldn't have been with us in the first place. You mm-hmm. know, what's the point? <laughs> God, I think there's probably, a, I mean, we haven't really even touched on Yekka and her grandmother and her mother and how all that fits in because i also think that also has a lot to do probably with serbia that's what i'm getting at too it's like there's some shit that we're just not going to get just because like i said it's it's a cultural thing too that we're not a part of so yeah we're going to miss some of it but i I tend to agree with that too is this film's all about family these weird fucked up dynamics power struggles exploitation sexual situations you Which know? is all just power struggles within the country. Right, that's what I'm saying. It's like everybody's a fucking victim. doesn't matter, you know, how bad or how good you think you have it. There's others that are getting it probably a lot worse. Well, and like you said, everybody's a victim. Even though in the last scene we have with Yekka and her grandmother, you have the grandmother offering her up. She ends her sentence with, you know, you can have her virgin commune, 
just like my father did with me. You're like, what the fuck? You're like, yeah, that was in the granny sense. It's like, that's just a common thing. You know, <laughs> like, are you fucking serious right now? I think that's another thing too. With questions, it's another thing we really haven't talked about much, but with morality and ethics and cultural things, who's to say what's right, what's wrong, et cetera, et cetera. It's just another one of those conversation pieces too that this film kind of brings up, you know? Where do you draw the line? You know where I draw the line? I think even if all my fucking teeth are ripped out, I'm drawing the line at actually getting suffocated by a dick in my mouth. <laughs> at that point, I have to feel like my mouth is already on fire and I'm biting that fucker off if I have to gum it. I know, man. <laughs> Something's going to happen. I'll have the python there's this still, bitch. <laughs> there's still a fucking ridge of bone underneath that gum and now that gum's all fucked up from having those ripped Oof. out like that so you might be able to get to that bone easier and just bite through that bone <laughs> i know it, man. i don't know that's fucked up but that's that's another one of those things too where it's like it's not necessarily funny but given the context of like i can imagine watching it being filmed because i'm wondering if some of it too was like the head was a little bit of a prosthetic, to, mm. you know what I mean, to give that facial expression and whatnot. And if not, she did a great job. But regardless, it's like, it's not real. It's, you know, yeah, it's fucked up. It's really fucked up. But there's there's a little comedy in that too. It's like, this is crazy. We're filming this right now. <laughs> <laughs> That's what was going through my head. I'm like, man, teeth shit hurts. Oh, but if, dude. But if it's all ripped out, then all it is is pain anyway. It can't hurt any worse. Uh, right, exactly. If I just start biting down. Just clamp down. Because I ain't going out like this. Man, I ain't going to sound like no chump. Yeah, that was fucked up, man. Uh, you know, another thing, too, I want to bring up really quick before we get too far ahead is, um, like, our history with this. I don't know. Did you see this prior to us reviewing? Had you no, seen it before? No, okay. I had never seen it before. Let's see. It came out in 2010, right? I don't think right. I would have heard about it till 2014 or so. Gotcha. Okay. After some art film type people I knew had seen it and mentioned it a couple <laughs> times. The way they wow. mentioned it, they, they weren't actually really talking about it. They just brought it up in conversation a couple times. But like the context it was brought up in conversation was like, the fuck are they talking about? So I went home and Wikipedia that shit. And I was like, oh, that's what they're talking about. Yeah, I can say I did see this when you could rent movies from Netflix and they'd send it to you through the mail. Mm. So that's how I'd found out. About, well, not, I won't say I found out. That's how I watched it. I found out about this. And I, I know I've mentioned this. Who knows how many fucking times now? But the point is, we all go through, like, as horror fans, we become gorehounds. You've kind of alluded to that a while back. And, you know, sometimes you want to see how far you can test your limits. So you go hunt for films. And this was around the time period where it's like, I was starting to get into some pretty heavy shit, already being a fan of Unearthed Films at that point and knowing about some of these films. And this one was that film, you know? So I was like, yeah, let me see what this is all about. And I remember watching it and I'm like, whoo boy, I can't tell a whole bunch of people I've seen this shit, let alone anybody in my family. Right. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's kind of one of those things you got to just hide in your bedroom and, and return that shit on your own time. But that was the only time I'd seen it and I hadn't seen it since. And you know, We've talked about its notoriety on different episodes, and we talked about the auctions a while back and all that other stuff. So, yeah, this one definitely has a reputation, let's put it that way. Well, and behind the scenes, way back, like when we were only 20, 30, 40, 50 episodes in, off mic, we would say there's not really any reason for us to hit this movie. 
not because we didn't want to right it's just but like, like yeah. what's the point like, yeah what it else seems what like we we're bring? getting it seems like we're getting a bunch of really interesting material with like not venturing to baby fucking <laughs> exactly man it was like this deal like this week after i watched this movie i went into work to a couple of the people i had talked about it with that knew i was going to watch it and they're like well what you think and i was like oh yeah it was a good movie and they're like, you liked this movie? And it's like, no, no, no. Don't get me wrong. <laughs> right. Liking is a different thing. I appreciate this movie. I think it was well done. I don't need to watch this shit all the time. Exactly. And I agree with that, too. And so at the time, me and you were both like, there's no reason for us to put ourselves through having to watch this movie twice in a fucking week. <laughs> and then Unearth decided to drop the fucking uncut 4K I'm like, dude, um, hello. And we already fucking stan unearthed. So them doing this, we're like, well, it looks like we have to talk about a Serbian film because if they're going to put yeah. out what most in the extreme horror community have been fucking thirsting for. Yeah, and that's something too, you know, with all the different cuts that this film has had to incur because of censorship and rating boards and all this other stuff, right? as which cut did you i'm not saying you directly i'm just saying sometimes it was a matter of yeah which cut did you watch did you watch this cut the uncut is this really uncut you know so even within that frame of context there was a lot of like what if isms you know and now you have kind of a definitive thing which this is more of the director's cut and he even stated like the dvd that says uncut is actually the uncut version mm -hmm. so if you'd seen it on the dvd beforehand then yeah you had the uncut version but for those who are fans of this and Unearthed and all that good stuff, is there is a future release of a Serbian documentary along with, I think, an extended cut. Mm. So, you know, you can kind of double dip, so to speak, if you want to. I've got the uncut and I'm happy with that. I'd like to watch the documentary, but once again, it's like, do I necessarily need to watch it? Not really. Yeah. I mean, out of curiosity, I eventually will, but I'm not like, you know thirsting after it so to speak you know but also then that brings up the point though like for me this isn't the worst movie we've covered you know i agree with that too and that's for some people that's going to be hard to reconcile with like are you what are you serious i would say this is not even close to the worst film i've ever seen yeah watching i, I was telling you earlier this week watching atros makes me feel dirtier oh yeah yeah that one's like oof, gotta take a, a bath after that <laughs> I have a harder time getting through multiple scenes in Cannibal Holocaust than I do in this. Yeah, me too. For some pretty big reasons, yeah. I think tone-wise, Martyrs is just as bleak. Oh, without a doubt. Like, very nihilistic. Not as extreme, but just no, as but bleak. No, but just as bleak, yeah. Every bit of it. But I understand, with the content of this movie... Anyone yeah. who does not feel that same way. Well, that's, once again, this is not a film I would recommend just willy-nilly. Like, no. you have to know. If anything, I recommend against it most of the time. Yeah, I'm like, no, you don't want to watch this. I Believe me, you don't. Most of the time I tell them, I don't really want to tell you what it's about. You don't need to know about this shit. And you can, <laughs> you know, I'm using the universal you here, but you really kind of do open up a bag of worms when you even bring up this topic, this film in general. Because of its notoriety and preconceived notions, you know, and it's like, yeah, I mean, I appreciate this film for what it's doing, what it's saying and all that other stuff. I know we've been, you know, sitting here for over an hour we've talking about it, you know, it's dick, but, yeah. but the point it's being also not 
it's not one I'm going to put in a rotation of sorts. No. No, I think this will be a great entry into a test your fright because automatically I'd feel like anybody we bring into it, this would be like, oh, oh it's that film. I'm already tapping out, just knowing about it, mm-hmm. you know. But it still has its place is what I'm getting at. It still has its place. I'm glad I got it in my collection. Honestly, I think Singapore Sling is just as taboo in its own way. Especially because yeah. that seems to be for less of a reason wow. than this. This at least is commenting on society. Yeah, that <laughs> one is literally the director wanted just to make a dark comedy. Everything that derived out of it, you could explain away however you wanted to. That really wasn't the intent. Uh, <laughs> which is funny within itself. But one thing I wanted to mention too, one really quick thing, because I'd, I'd be remiss if I don't mention it. And it, it lends back to that fantasy and reality thing in this film is the use of putting the kids in certain costumes as well, the Peter Pan and the Alice in Wonderland, because there is that loss of innocence and holding on to like innocence in a, in a sense, you know, because at some point you're going to lose it. And in their cases, it's an extreme version of it, you know, so I thought that was kind of clever too to put that kind of shit in here, a little bit of that fairy tale aspect. Well, really, this is a, a story about kids who don't get to keep their innocent. It's not. Yeah. They have it ripped away from them for various reasons. I don't think, once again, that it's it's a coincidence that Yekka's father was, like, in the war and shit. Yeah, there's no coincidence in any of that stuff. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. War tears away innocence. Real fast. Yeah, so that's what I'm getting this at. This is just the most extreme fallout. You're right. So, <laughs> man, I honestly thought going into it, when we choose certain films... What I find interesting is the conversations that we do have when we come out of it. And this is another perfect example of that. It's like, I didn't know exactly what kind of conversations we were going to have, but here we are. I find it a lot more intellectual than it was going to go. Because <laughs> I mean, it's easy to get wrapped up in like the vile stuff and the imagery and all that stuff, but it goes beyond that. And that's what I think needs to be highlighted is you can just take it on the surface level and just say, oh man, this is a pile of shit. And it's just, what's the point? Uh, you know, whatever. You don't have to watch it. <laughs> right. Um, obviously, there's a lot of negative critiques to this movie. I looked up and read some of them. You know, some of them I probably I agree with, but I almost had a disregard. Like, there's way too many that are just like, obviously, all they did was think up the, the most disgusting <laughs> scenes that they could and throw them all in a row. The fuck movie did you watch? Yeah, that no, that's not even close. I think it's a generalization and just, you know, like the stigma that gets attached to certain things. If you already come in with blazing guns, you know, like a hatred for this kind of shit, no one's ever going to win you over. It doesn't matter how much explaining you give it. I agree with a lot of people. Like if, if you have kids, which I don't, I have nephews and stuff, but if you have kids, I would never recommend this to you, man, because it's going to fuck you up. Yeah, if, if you've ever been like sexually whatever wouldn't recommend this no there's a lot of things that i would say yeah you make valid points and the reasons why you don't like it and detest it i i hear you but those aren't reasons for it to not exist which is absolutely that is once again it brings back my point to the censorship and stuff just because you don't like it and you don't agree with it doesn't mean that it it doesn't have its place or it doesn't have its voice as long as it's not actively doing any harm right and it's not and you can prove that with this film. And it's not a story that is one that glamorizes anything either. Everybody's no. a victim. It all sucks. It's extremely bleak. Yeah. You get one triumphant moment that's undercut five minutes later. Right. Yeah. Just when you think things are looking up, get your feet cut out from underneath you. So 
yeah, once again, it's just, I'm really, honestly, I'm amazed at how much you can really talk about this film if you look beyond some of that stuff. Just like we were saying, just the detestable things. All right, cheesiest bit of this movie? Those fucking tattoos, dude. Oh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, there's some things, I mean... It reminded me of Hostel with the fucking... Yeah. Except, uh, come on, it was like, uh, it was like a so clip bad. art film reel. And then the Oakley glasses on top of it. It's like, okay, I get what you're trying to do here. <laughs> so stuff like that. I think some of it, it could be like a little, like you were saying, a little bit of troll stuff. Well, and like these are roughly same region, right? So I wonder if the tattoo was a little nod to like where Hostel was supposed Dude, to be. Dude, I was just saying, there's... So many, I think maybe little nods and allusions to other films, you know, like, but this is like the extreme version of that. What you thought Saw was in comparison to this is a walk in the park, dude. You know, the Saw movies as well. Walk in the park. You know what? I think this would be a weird, but I think it would make sense companion film too. And maybe this is only because of my own conclusions that I drew from this movie that we <laughs> no, cool. went across in detail on the episode. The house the jack built yeah dude i agree i know that lars von trier because of the subject matter he deals with would fit into this category you know lots of texture a lot of allegory and meaning behind all that stuff the imagery so yeah i think it would be a good companion piece i prefer that movie <laughs> anyway yeah no 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 I, it, it's it's a different piece once again it's one of those films people are gonna probably regard it as a vile film which you know you can make arguments for but I think it's artistically done and it has a lot of merit, <laughs> much like this film, believe it or not. So, There's yeah. more conversations to be had about this film than are happening because of its content. Absolutely. However, can't blame a single person. No, no. And I know we've said it, but that's why it's hard to recommend this film to the vast majority of people I know. Can't blame them all. I can't really think of too much else. Like, I yeah. have some really weird big notes here that I didn't really touch on because no, I actually cool. touched on them in different ways. I keep looking at them like, but then. <laughs> no, I think overall, if if you are looking for a film, like some of us go through like, oh, I want to see what the most extreme or what pushes boundaries. I'd say this is somewhere on the far spectrum, but not the furthest that you're going to reach. Right. It started to like kind of get into that murky territory. But once again, I will say this. There's somebody I watched who reviewed this film as well, and he made a good point. He's like, you can watch films like The Mortems, The August Underground, and Burning Moons, and all that stuff. And yes, there's going to be a lot more gore and, you know, what have you, blood and splatter and all that shit. But it's bad. It's like real bad. <laughs> it's like badly yeah. done. Where this is like, technically, it's fucking stunning. This is his first movie, right? Yes. Wow. How? Here's another thing. On How? a on a low budget, he, they made that a point too. It's like it was hard to get funding for this film. Who in Serbia is going to distribute this film? <laughs> right. Well, because like they went outside the normal channels because otherwise they're beholden to those rules. They said this too that they went through two different labs before they finally found the lab who would finish this film for them to blow it up so they could present it to theaters and all that stuff. But they went to Germany twice. The first one's like, yeah, we can do it. And then, you know, there was like some oversight that happened. They wound up burning the film. And then the second one did the same thing because they didn't realize what they were watching. They were like, are you killing people on film? Are you doing, you know? And then they went to Budapest. They said the first lab, same thing. Like, they're like, we're not going to do this. And then the second one like worked with them. So they were cool with it. But 
you know, sometimes people just don't realize it's kind of funny in its sense too. It's like, <laughs> it's just a film, dude. <laughs> you know, it's just a film in the end of the day. But another point I'm making too is like, for all the stuff that you think is really, really, really bad, typically it's not because our mind tends to fill in those blanks. And this film does a lot of really good use of that too, where you think you're seeing something, but you're not really seeing it. So you think it's a lot worse than where it really is. <laughs> so that's what I'm saying. There's like, there's a lot worse out there than this film. Mm-hmm. You can name them, not that we have to, but there is a lot worse. Yeah. I think I've said all the important things I need to say. About I think movie. so too, man. I enjoyed it a lot more than I thought I would. So we have a potential idea for what we're going to do next yeah. week, but we might have to make a last minute switch. No, we know how these things go with planning. <laughs> uh, so hopefully next episode we'll have a special guest on and we'll cover time crimes. However, if you're listening to this now and that's not what happened, it's because planning with other people sucks with sometimes. Oh, especially with the current world events that are happening too. So plan on time crimes. But we might show up with something else. Yeah, we always try to have a plan B now. We're going to figure out our plan B. But for this week, I'm Tyler. I'm Danny. Fried Squirms, out. out. Hi, everybody. Tyler here. If you like the podcast, please hit subscribe however you're listening to us right now. Also, if you could rate and review us however you're listening to us, or preferably over on Apple Podcasts, that'd be super cool as the entire world is ran on algorithms and we want to be all up in them. Uh, We highly appreciate it whenever you tell all your friends about us. If you have any suggestions, comments, questions, want us to put eyes on your current independent horror project, you can always contact us, squirmcast at gmail.com, or you can contact us through our website, www.friedsquirms.com. Scroll through our entire back catalog there, or click the links up at the top as we are part of the Earverm Podcast Network. Uh, and would love it if you went and checked out some of our sister shows. Uh, the easiest way to keep track of things across the entire network is to go over to that website. That's earverm.com, E-A-R-V-V-Y-R-M.com. Uh, you can search for us across all the social medias. If you type in Fried Squirms, we should be what pops up. I'm not going to give you all those ads. So with all of that in mind, we'd love to hear from you. Until next time, peace. <laughs>